You're listening to What Book Hooked You. I'm Brock Shelley, and thanks for listening. In this episode, I talk to S.F. Henson, whose debut novel, Devils Within, comes out on Halloween, October 31st. In this episode, you'll hear what inspired Henson to write this book, uh, the trepidation she had in doing so, and the hope she has for her debut novel. So listen in. So S.F. Henson, what book hooked you? So that is actually a kind of complicated question. Um, There are actually two pivotal points in my um, reading life that um, hooked me and contributed to me being an author. So the first was when I was four. Um, My grandmother gave me two books by James Harriet, The Market Square Dog and The Christmas Day Kitten. And I wanted to be a veterinarian. So I was already hooked at that point. But reading those books, I just gobbled them up. And then from that point, I wanted to be a veterinarian who also wrote books. I wanted to be the American James Harriet. Obviously, the veterinarian thing didn't work out. But fortunately, the author thing did. Um, So at that point, it kind of stimulated my love of books and just how much I wanted to read. And I read everything inside. But it wasn't really until... um, I was in the fourth grade at the book fair at school, and my dad walks up because he's helping out and hands me this book and says, you really need to read this. This will open your world. And it was Agatha Christie's And Then There Were None. And he was absolutely right. I devoured that book. And then when I got done, I turned around and read it again. And I read it every couple of years since the fourth grade. Um, So one book set of books made me want to be an author and the other really made me want to pursue more in the mystery and the thriller and the kind of dark reading genres. And so you sort of just touched on it. So the reason uh, with Agatha Christie that you were reading it is just because it was that a different type of book. It was darker and that were you into kind of darker type themed things at that point or was this kind of what sparked that? So I think it fed it. I um, was a strange child. Um, <laughs> I, I remember I wrote a story, I want to say I was eight, called, uh, where it rained chocolate, um, which you'd think, oh, great, you know, a kid writing about it rained chocolate, amazing. But um, in, in my story, I filled up all these bowls full of chocolate, and then I ate so much that I literally exploded. Um, <laughs> so I always had this kind of dark um, leaning to my reading and my writing, but most of the books we read for school didn't really feed that. Um after reading Agatha Christie, we started, um, and I don't know if they have these books in other states, but in Alabama, we have something called 13 Alabama Ghosts in Jeffrey. And it's just stories from across the state of ghosts that haunt different places. And so after, and then there were none, I had this love for mystery and all things kind of dark. And so I grabbed this book off the shelf and then started a, a book club kind of thing in my library. And my friends and I would um, gather in the very back where it was kind of dark, and we would read these ghost stories and these mysteries out loud to each other until um, our teachers caught us and told us we were being weird. So that kind of ended the ghost gang. But yeah, um, I always had that kind of leaning, but it fed, and then there were none fed that desire and fed that nature. Um, and it was kind of a springboard. I read all the things that she had written. And then moved from there to Stephen King. Um, so I was in sixth grade, I think, when I read my first Stephen King, which might be a little young for most people. And then um, 
my dad told me if I read too much at once, I'd make me um, a little weird. So I should probably mix it up a little. So I went from there to John Grisham and then Thomas Harris and then back to Stephen King and always this kind of dark leaning. Do you remember what that first Stephen King book was? It was the Tommyknockers. Tommyknockers. And so at this same time, you know, you were doing a little bit of writing. There was uh, the raining chocolate story. But as you kind of continued into middle school and things like that, um, you know, you had that book from when you were four, those two books from when you were four, where you kind of wanted to be this writer. Did that stay with you even in through middle school? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, back then, you know, I still had this dream of being a veterinarian. And so the stories that I wrote were geared more toward animals. And um, I started volunteering in a veterinary clinic and had this strange idea that I was going to write vet books for kids. Kind of like if you give a moose a muffin or if you give a mouse a cookie, it was going to be if you give a poodle an enema, it might bite you. Um, <laughs> That never happened. Fortunately, it never actually got off the ground. Um, I'd be a little afraid of where else it went from that point. But uh, I was constantly writing different stories. I just never, um, they're always short and always little creative writing exercises that I kind of ran with at school. I didn't actually try a novel until I was in high school. And so I assume once you got to high school, you continued, uh, you know, reading the Stephen King and, and everything else like that. Uh, and so when you got to high school, were you still writing these animal stories or did they start to take more of a darker tone uh, to reflect what you were reading? Interestingly, they didn't. Um, the first book that I tried to actually sit down and write as a novel was an idea my dad gave me. Um, and it was a guy who was a beer salesman to bars who ends up running for president because he can be like an everyman to everybody and... Uh, I was like, that sounds like a cool idea, this kind of nobody that runs for president and ends up getting elected, and it just, I never finished it. Um, I actually didn't finish a novel until I was 25. Um, I had a lot of stops and starts. Um, I started another one right when I graduated college about a girl who graduates vet school and inherits a horse farm in Kentucky, and there's this big mystery with um, people are are killing these racehorses and so she's got a she ends up with a lawyer who um fit to figure out who's been killing these horses and i'm a lawyer by day and i was about to start law school so <laughs> life influenced art and it was terrible and fortunately never finished it and never saw the light of day um, but my, my it wasn't until i actually finished the bar exam and um sat down and was waiting in alabama you've got a a three-month wait before you receive your exam results to know if you passed or not. And no one would hire me without knowing if I'd passed the bar. So if I don't have anything else to do, I'm actually going to finish a book. And that's the first novel I finished. And it did kind of take a, a darker turn. The, the more I wrote, the the kind of darker the stories got. And the more re realistic the fiction got. What sort of, if we can back up just a touch, what sort of kind of drove you to want to go to law school after having sort of this childhood dream of being a vet and, and that sort of thing? What, Where did the kind of the turn take place? So um, I am terrible at chemistry, like really, right. really painfully bad at chemistry. And that is the weed-out class. That's like organic chem is the crux course. And I was awful at it. And I stuck with it. 
And my bachelor's degree is still animal science, pre-veterinary medicine, because um, I refused to give up on it. But I realized senior year of college, I'm not going to get in. So I had to kind of take a step back and figure out what else I might want to do. And I was pursuing, um, I was in the College of Agriculture, and I was pursuing a minor in agricultural finance, which was terrible. I didn't finish it. But one of the classes I took was agricultural law, and my professor was amazing. He had degrees from everywhere in all kinds of fields, and he just kind of opened up this legal world. And he, this, he told me this story about a farmer, and they had had the farm in their family for generations and generations. And then the land next to him sold to a subdivision. And this guy came in, they built all these houses and people moved in and they started complaining about the smell of the farm. He had a lot of pigs out there and they sued him for a nuisance to get his farm shut down. And all I could think about was the injustice behind that. And so talking to him in that case, it kind of pushed me to, you know, I don't know what else I'm going to do. Vet school's not going to work out. So I'll apply. I said I would apply to one law school, and if I got in, that's what I would do, and here I am. That's great. And so obviously I would assume that you know, because of the intensity of law school and everything that it takes to kind of get through that to studying, um, you probably had to sort of maybe put reading and writing to the side a little bit, or you weren't able to do it as often? Would that oh, sound yeah, accurate? absolutely. Yeah. Um, I was able to read over Christmas, basically, but not even in the summer because I clerked in the summer for different attorneys. But the benefit was I got to see how these cases actually progress and a more realistic take on it than you get on your Law and Order and your other legal shows. But it had really been my only exposure to law before that because no one in my family is an attorney. Um, So having that experience that I built through law school when I started writing, I was able to fall back on that because a lot of my stories use that influence um, to kind of color them. And then when it comes to like the craft of writing, do you think that because a law uh, career, you're doing so much uh, writing, you know, just kind of the mechanical uh, uh, physical act of, of writing, do you think that helped you develop as a creative writer at all? Oh, 100%. I think it helped me get the mechanics of it down and it helped me form a logical progression. Um, Cause I I had the basics, my Englishes and everything from college, but it was really the application of those writing skills in the legal field. Cause a lot of people don't realize how much writing there is in law. I would say 90% of being an attorney is writing and it's having to organize your thoughts and put them down on paper in a cohesive manner. Because when I'm writing a brief to the court, I'm telling a story. I'm taking a set of facts and I'm twisting it in a way that portrays those facts in the best light to my client and applies the law. And it's just, it's a story. And the same thing with actually arguing in court when you write your opening statements, you're telling a story to the jury. And so it absolutely helped my creative writing skills. And so you said, you know, as you're waiting for the, your bar results, you started to uh, start to try to write and, a full work. And so th- once you got that full work, were you kind of driven on the path where you had this goal where you wanted to be a published writer or, you know, what was kind of your mindset around that time? Cause you're both starting to go into this career. Uh, but then you're also kind of writing here on the side. 
So when I started, I kind of viewed it as a hobby. And I always had the goal in mind of being published because that had been my goal since I was four. And I decided I wanted to be a published author. But I didn't make myself write. I said I was only going to write when I felt like it. I didn't want it to be a job. And I really think that was a detriment because that first story was terrible. (laughs) Really, really terrible. And I queried it. Um, I sent it out to five agents. And then I realized how terrible it was and fortunately pulled it back and said, I I want this to be my goal. I want to be a published author, but I need to do it the right way with the right story. And so how long did it take you then to get to that right story? Seven years. And so that seven years, uh, obviously that's just not seven years of writing. You're also obviously uh, working as a lawyer and all the work, especially as a as a young lawyer. Um, so how were you able to kind of carve out that time to write? Was that an easy thing for you? Or is that part of what took that seven years, finding that balance in those and those times to to dedicate to your writing? There was definitely a learning curve at first. The, the first book I stuck with for way longer than I should have, really, probably a year and a half that I worked just on that book. Um, I finished the draft, then I edited it, and then I edited it. And mostly at night um, or on weekends, kind of you know, when I wasn't working. And the more I wrote the more serious I got about it. And so the more I carved out time that I went and wrote. Um, So pretty much every day when I got home from work, I would come home and eat dinner and then I would go to the coffee shop because I can't ride at home. And my husband would go with me because we don't have children. And he would sit across the table from me at the coffee shop and he found things to do. He got involved in different organizations around town to keep him entertained while I was writing because, you know, he's a valuable asset. I would, you bounce plot ideas off of him and say hey pretend you're angry and look at me so I can write your face um but it was important to make time to write and actually I wrote more um when I had less time when I was working harder at work I was more productive in writing because I had to make the most of the time I had so as you're writing um in the coffee shop with your husband was there a single idea that you were pursuing or were there start and stops where you would start a story and then abandon it and start something else? Uh, how did that go with as far as the ideas went? Pretty much they were all a single idea. I would either be gripped by a character that would pop into my head and need her story to be told, or a, a plot would, would come to me. Um, and I would pursue that and I would discover the characters kind of on the way. So I wrote... That first terrible story that I trunked, um, and then I wrote one more that was kind of an urban fantasy, which I also trunked. And then the third manuscript I wrote is the one I got an agent with. Um, so she kind of worked with me to revise it. And the next one after that, it didn't sell. So I wrote another that also didn't sell. Um, and each one of those ideas, I got the idea. I liked the character and it just, it just worked. It wasn't until um, the, the fifth book, which is, this one that is um, releasing on October 31st, Devils Within. I actually didn't want to write it. I had the idea and I was kind of afraid of it. And so I put it aside and I'd finished writing this fourth book and it didn't sell. And so I went to my agent and said, here's some ideas that I have. I can't choose. I don't really know what I want to work on next. Kind of what do you, what do you think? And she narrowed it down to a couple and said, I'm good with either of these. And one was a very safe story. Um, 
about a football player in the South and the other one was this idea for Devils Within. And I said, all right, then I'm choosing the safe one. And that's the only time that I started writing it and it just went nowhere. And I really wanted it to work because I didn't want to write the other one because um, I was afraid to write that idea. And I had to abandon it about, I got maybe 10,000 words in and realized this isn't working and had to, to ditch it. And so Devils Within uh, is going to be your debut release. So what was that initial idea uh, that got you thinking about this book? I read a news article in 2013 about a 10-year-old boy who killed his father. Um, his father was asleep on the couch, and the boy shot him in the head. And his father was the leader of a white supremacist group in California. And all that I could think when I was reading it was about how young that boy was. And I kept wondering, what has this boy had to face to be driven to that point? where killing his dad was the only way out of his situation. And, you know, I read several different articles about him because, I don't know, something about the fact that he never really had a choice. You know, there's so many adults that we see that are in these kind of white supremacist groups that we think, oh, you know, how'd they get there? And then I'm looking at this kid and I'm like, he was born into it. And so what is it like to be born into it? And how do you get out of that? And so I, it stuck with me and it stayed in the back of my mind, but I, like I said, I would just, I didn't want to write it. So I kind of put it down for a while until I had to write it because that was one of the ideas my agent liked. And it just kind of forced me to sit down and actually pursue it. And the character came to life and the story went. And so your story is about Nate, who, much like uh, that article, does end up uh, uh, killing his father after who is the leader of, of the, a white supremacist group. Um, so you said, you know, you were scared of this or this, you know, you were kind of hesitant to write this. What was what was the big kind of block or uh, the big fear that you had when when thinking about approaching this story? There are a couple of things. One is I am little Southern white girl. Um is this the right story for me to tell? Do I have the right to tell it? And am I the best author to tell it? And the other was knowing the amount of research that I would have to do because it required reading a lot about these groups and how they operate and how they recruit. Um, I read articles that were written by people that had escaped these groups. Um, they talked about how they manipulate the press and how prevalent their actions are and how, where they are across the country. And it was really, really hard research. And it made me feel awful doing it. In fact, some of the sites were blocked at the coffee shop where I was writing for good reason. Um, and so that was a, a big reason that I was hesitant to get started on it in the first place. And so what and ultimately ended up pushing you through that? Was it the research? Uh, were you able to kind of test the waters or were you kind of bouncing off ideas and, and trying to get reassurance and just uh, what was that process like until you were able to kind of get comfortable and feel like, yes, I could tell this story if I do it in such a way. <laughs> you assume I'm comfortable. Um, I don't think I've ever really felt comfortable and I'm still not. I mean, there's still trepidations that I have, but what pushed me to actually write it was the fact that it needed to be written. Um, like I said, I live in the South and I have 
been around racism my whole life. Um, and what amazes me is that it's 2017 and these mentalities are still so prevalent. But we, um, my husband and I lead youth at church. And we had some kids that are white, middle, white, middle class males. Um, and they were making fun of different things that have happened. Um, I don't want to be specific because I don't want to put these kids on blast, but you know, things that were in the media, Eric Garner and Michael Brown and Black Lives Matter, and these kids thought it was funny. And I thought, you know, they're not listening to just me say, hey, this isn't cool. I mean, seriously, y'all need to stop anything about other people's positions. Like, there's got to be some other way to reach them. And I realized that I had another way to reach people like this, that through a kid who is, he's done the wrong thing. He is not a sympathetic character. He he doesn't deserve redemption, but he still needs to learn. And so it's this progression of him learning that I think a, a lot of people need, especially teenagers right now. That's great. That, that That's wonderful. Now, you know, this book, you mentioned it was the fifth book, and you had several books uh, that, you know, for whatever reason, it just, they just wouldn't sell. Um, during that whole process, were you, were you scared that, you know, you had this agent and maybe you would lose an agent or was, or what was kind of that process like to be getting so close and then, uh, having to get turned down time and time again? Oh, that's the hardest part. I mean, rejection is what sucks so hard about writing and publishing. And yeah, I mean, my agent is phenomenal. She is amazing um and i knew like intrinsically i knew she wasn't going anywhere that she's she's a career agent she's there for your whole career just because one thing doesn't sell she's not dump you but when you're in the moment and you keep getting rejected and you keep putting up books you you know and the books went through different genres she signed me on a sci-fi um the next book was kind of uh more of a thriller and this one kind of is just dark contemporary and thought, you know, I'm jumping all over the place and nothing's working. And at some point she's just going to get tired of it. And, you know, fortunately she didn't because um, she's, she's not like that. She sticks with you, but it was absolutely terrifying and crushing. And there were a ton of times that I would get rejected and say, all right, that's it. I can't take anymore. I'm done. I, I'm, I'm not going to, it's not working for me. Obviously I'm just going to do something else. And I would wallow for about a day and the next day I get up and dust myself off and say, nope, I'm going to keep going. We'll not let them get me down. And, you know, you work as a lawyer, so you're probably uh, involved in, in some tough cases, some tough uh, situations. Was it hard to, uh, you know, some days after maybe being in court or, or, you know, the different aspects that it takes to work on a case to turn to writing maybe if it was a tough day or just uh, decisions didn't go the way you were hoping, uh, was it, were you able to shed that uh, and focus on your writing or were there days where it just wasn't happening? A little bit of both. There's some days where it was really tough and I would seek refuge in whatever I was writing. And then some days, which seemed to coincide with particularly difficult scenes that I was working on, I just, I, I couldn't do it. Um, I used to be a guardian ad litem 
And what that is, is um, it's an attorney appointed by the court to look after the best interests of minor children. So, for example, if two parents are divorcing, they'll appoint a guardian ad litem to kind of talk to the kid and make sure that you know, nothing bad is going on with one parent or the other. And some of these cases were really, really, really difficult. And so days that I had those, I just, I couldn't do anything when I got home, but just kind of decompress. Um, but, but a lot of times it was easier to turn to my work and kind of get lost in whatever I was writing and shut the rest of the world out. And even with a book like uh, Devils Within, where it is uh, trepidation that you had going into it, uh, did it kind of have the opposite effect where your writing life was kind of bleeding into your work at all? And so the research made it very difficult. Um, the writing of it actually, however, made it a little bit easier because I was able to see this character transform and go on this journey with this character and even through the really hard chapters because sometimes I would be sitting at the back of the coffee shop in tears because of what I was writing I knew where my character was going to end up and I knew that he was going to get through the other side and so I knew I, I was going to get through the other side too and that made it a little easier to, to keep going and and keep it contained within writing time versus work time and one thing we didn't really touch on is what uh, as you're writing uh these, you know, these story after story, what started you off uh, wanting to write YA as opposed to, uh, you know, for adults and, and maybe different types of genre fiction? Yeah, the novels that I had start, stopped and started um, were adult books. And I'd always had in my head that I was going to write adult books, except for my If You Give a Poodle an Enema. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> but they weren't working. Um and so really, it goes back to my husband, actually. He is a huge Harry Potter fan. And he had told me one night that um, he said, you know, the best stories are the ones that transport you to other worlds. And that got me thinking, you know, he's right. And so the story that came to mind was a middle grade. I had this 12-year-old boy in my head the whole time. And that's when I started writing. And that's the book that's awful and was in the trunk and shall hopefully never, ever see the light of day. Um, it's actually in my will that that's not to be published when I die. Um, and then I, I tried again to write adults and it just wasn't working. But every time that I would age the characters down and and write a, a young adult character, it worked. And I think one of the reasons why is because adults are so cynical. Mostly. I'm very cynical. But most kids and most teenagers still have their whole world in front of them and they still have this hopeful outlook on everything and they're willing to learn and they want to expand their world and expand their mind and they're not quite as closed off as adults tend to be and so I think it's a great world to explore writing wise because there's so many more things that you can do and you can actually have influence over someone's belief systems um, and especially with the book like like this one, like Devils Within, it's hugely important um, you know, to be able to open someone's world and show them other perspectives. I, I think it's really, really cool. And I don't know if I will ever venture into adults. I've got a couple ideas that I might write one day, but for now I'm sticking with um, kids and, and teens. As 
you know, within the last, you know, year, uh, with everything that's been going on in the news, uh, what has your reaction been? And you sort of touched on this a little bit, uh, given the topic of your book, just how much more pertinent this is to uh, modern day uh, than when you first started out. As you've seen all this unfold, um, has it comforted you in the fact that you decide to write this book uh, after you saw this article in 2013, or is it just kind of added to your nerves? I think it saddened me, honestly. Um, I I was about halfway through the book when Eric Garner was killed in New York and when Michael Brown was killed in Ferguson. And so that realized a lot of what I was writing. And I had just finished the book and sent it out on submission to editors when the Charleston church shooting happened. Um, so my first reaction was actually to email my agent and say, do we need to pull this? Because... You know, there's a similar scene in the book that you know, it's eerily similar. Um, and I said, really, you know, should we pull this? Is this insensitive? And I know that it's it's an important topic, but I don't want to come across insensitive or opportunistic. And we decided that we needed to leave it out there because it is so timely. And it's only gotten more so. Um, but I think, honestly, it makes me sad that it's more timely now than it was in 2013 when I read the article. Um I hope that it helps somebody. Um, I've said, if it reaches just one person and changes one person's perspective, then I feel like it's been worth it and I've done my job. So with this book being, uh, you know, of such a heavy topic, what are you working on or what have you been working on since this book uh, was sold? Is it still kind of uh, darker, heavier things or have you tried to, switch things up just to kind of uh, lighten your load, maybe mentally uh, with something a little bit lighter uh, in theme or, or subject matter? You know, it's funny you ask that because um, it relates to your earlier question about um, whether I had ideas that I worked on and then dropped. And now I have. Um, I think this book took so much out of me and was such a hard thing to write that it's been really hard to move on as a writer. Um, I have had several stops and starts. Um, so much tried to go lighter and add some levity, um, still with a dark topic. Um, I, I have one idea that I'm working on that is kind of like a YA weekend at Bernie's um, meets Project X. <laughs> um, so that's kind of in the works, but um I don't know if I'm ready for levity yet. It hasn't really been coming together like I wanted. Okay. And so I've got a couple other things that I'm working on that. Um, so I have um, some social anxiety and I have OCD and depression. And so I've, I'm using that also um, to kind of stick within the similar theme of devils within of dealing with some of these tough topics and kind of tackling those in, in another book. Um, and, and we'll see where it goes. And hopefully this one will actually work, and I will get a full manuscript down, so I'm crossing my fingers on that one. <laughs> Very good. All right, so a few questions sort of as we wind down. The first one is, what would be your favorite movie that's based on a book? Silence of the Lambs. Really? And I, so was yeah. was this a book that, or book or movie that you saw when you were younger, or, or when did you first remember seeing this? 
oh man, middle school. Um, my dad, he's been the most, or was the most um, driving influence in my cultural, pop culture life. Um, he actually passed away about um, eight years ago, but he gave me that book and said, you really need to read this so that we can go and watch this movie because I think you'll love it. And man, it is the only movie I think that is better than the book. What book or series uh, are you willing to admit? And while there's probably many, is there one that sticks out that you have never actually read? I have never read Lord of the Rings. I tried. I really, really tried. And I just couldn't get through the first book. There's so many songs and they're awful. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. And then finally, what is the last great book that you've read? The last really great book that I read, it is really hard to choose. There's two that stand out. Can I say two? Sure, absolutely. Um, Dear Martin by Nick Stone is Mm -hmm. absolutely phenomenal. I just, I actually read it twice and it's not even out yet. Um, And uh, One Shadow on the Wall by Leah Henderson, I was just in love with. Um, The writing is beautiful and poetic and the character is, you know, completely unique and different from what else is out there, especially for middle grade literature right now. And it was just a gorgeous story. I highly recommend both of them. Very good. And actually both were former guests of the podcast. Oh, lovely. Well, S.F. Henson, thanks so much for joining me. The book Devils Within comes out October 31st, and I wish you and the book all the best. Thank you very, very much. And that does it for another episode of What Book Hooked You. Special thanks to S.F. Henson for joining me. Her book, Devils Within, comes out on October 31st from Sky Pony. So be sure to check it out. And if you're on Twitter, I hope you'll check the podcast out at Book Hook Podcast. There you'll hear about upcoming episodes, current episodes, and giveaways. I'm Brock Shelley, and until next time, keep reading.